Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Lock In Podcast. Once again, we're recording this in the Lockdown Tavern along with my co-hosts Heath Ball and James Cuthbertson. This week we'll be focusing on finance, everything from funding and managing debt through to pricing and cost-cutting. Both my co-hosts have experienced challenges in the past year on the financial front. In fact, James was forced to take on a second job as a stripper to help make ends meet. How's it going, James? <laughs> the ends haven't met. <laughs> <laughs> that is an image I don't want in my head. Heath, meanwhile, has blown most of his savings on elocution lessons, as he's self-conscious about people mistaking him for an Australian. I don't mind being Australian when I'm drunk. <laughs> Unfortunately, he is drinking wine. Everyone knows you're Canadian anyway, so it's not a... I thought it was a bad thing, so... Are you actually drinking that wine? Was that you beeping? I am drinking... No, that was my internet thing. Ah, brilliant. But yeah, I am actually drinking for a long day. What what wine are you drinking? Let's let's share that with the audience, just so that they can understand when you get a bit sweary later on. Yeah, no, nothing you drink, Ed. Just... just... It's not from the co-op, then. (laughs) It's nice to know that, that even though times are hard, Heath, you're still treating yourself to thousand-pound bottles of wine. So, uh, as I said, <laughs> as I said, this episode is going to be taking a look at the financial side of life. We got a couple of guests on later to talk us through issues like crowdfunding and the rent debt problem. But in the meantime, it's been a busy week in the shutdown pub trade, guys. So let's have a quick chat about some of the things going on. Um, Heath, I think you were ranting earlier uh, in the week. Uh, you were pleased to hear that undercover cops will soon be patrolling your pub, keeping the customers safe from you. That's good, no, because I'll be spending all my time on the streets of London dressed as a copper, protecting people. I'll do their job for them. They can do my job for me. How's that work out? Great. What a trade-off. Because we're the bad guys. Fucking ridiculous. I, I mean, what, we're regulated. What, I mean, it's, we are a licensed trade, but we're, we're treated like uh, children sometimes, aren't we? Always. Yeah, it's all my, listen, I would like to apologise now, Ed, for global warming. Obviously, that's our fault as well. The, the, the pubs have done that as well. Um, you know what I mean? The hacking, the Russian hacking scandal, that was us again, pubs again. Yep. I think we've just got to take the blame for everything. We seem to get the blame for everything that's happened. I mean, you've never, taken the, bl- you've never taken the blame for that phone getting us all shut down, though. <laughs> Are you still on about that? <laughs> <laughs> never letting it go. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to add um, slow metabolism and malpatent baldness to that as well. I believe the pubs are to blame everywhere. I mean, it, it is a difficult one, isn't it? Because, I mean, if, if, if it's a matter of safety, we, we have to be honest, you know, whilst we provide, you know, um, safe environments on the whole, we can't be everywhere and you can't expect your staff to be everywhere all the time. So is it a bad thing well, if there's a policeman in... in the difficulty is, Ed, you've got three middle-aged white guys, well, you're probably a bit older, but three middle-aged white guys here that are talking about you know, safety of women. So you have to be careful because someone's going to be desperate to cancel you when you have the conversation. Mm. But what we do know is pubs, and we know that our customers at the top priority looking after them at the time. I don't see the point in this sort of underhand way they've come about playing clothes, policemen. Put uniform out there. On the street, yeah, yeah, yeah patrolling. Put, put, put uniform out there and make people feel safe on the street. And I, I do think that, as a rule, we're, 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 a, we're a really safe industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can, I can understand. I think it's when you, it's after you leave events that you, you potentially have the problem. But again, we're, that's, we're not experts in that, but we know our, we know our James, customers. It shows you how the government's thinking. It shows you how they all think. We're considered high risk for COVID transmissions, mm. proven not us. This, this poor girl walking home, not us. Mm. Do you know what I mean? We're closed. Pubs are closed, but we seem to be the whipping boy for the government. Like, the reason everything's so bad in society is mm. because of pubs. But you... you it's, 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 but, but this is belief. But, but this has been going on for so long. It's a bit like if there's a, if there's a fight somewhere, they'll, talk, they'll reference it to being near the dog and duck. If there's a car accident, they'll reference a pub. Yeah. And it's great that we're, we're icons of, of, of the country, but we're always associated with bad things going on. So it's yeah, it's sad. I mean, that's been that's been a, that's almost a legacy thing to a certain yeah, extent, it is. isn't it? Um, but I think this current situation certainly does seem to be that there's a lack of understanding of pub culture, what pubs are actually like from mm. within those those authorities, mm. and and they tend to like to point the finger. Uh, I mean, we've seen it with the COVID crisis. We, we see it with a reaction to to this kind of situation. Um, it's not actually addressing the real problem. It's kind of sort of directing people over here yeah. to and pointing the finger at pubs when when. That's that's not dealing with the root cause mm. of the issue. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, once again, here we are. Yes, yeah. Uh, else, other things in the news this week: um, Scotland reopening. Um, James, as a as a proud Scotsman, uh, you must be pleased. 
reopening without alcohol. What's mm. the point? And outside, up there, what's the point? It's minus no, no, ten. No, no, you can drink outside. Yeah, you but, can't drink but inside. It's, but it's minus ten. And it's raining well, every day. Even in Edinburgh? Pretty much. Yeah. It's, 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 it's laughable. It's laughable, though. When you, 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 look at, you look at a nation of drink enthusiasts and you're telling them they can only drink outside in, you know, the coldest part of the UK. It's just nonsense. And, and again, you know, not, not, how many guys are going to go in for, a, you know, a bloody apple juice? None. It's pointless. I mean, it, it does seem sort of a bit, bit uh, again, it's that heavy-handed approach of... of take it a very negative view of pubs and, and take it to the extreme. But you're right. I mean, is anyone going to be going out? I mean, well, that's the point. I mean, they've still got big, you know, still got, you know, bad rates up there as we have in places down here. So it's difficult to justify, you know, to, to kind of be generalistic. But the climate up there, we're talking about, you know, it's, it's March and April. It's not great. May's going to be a better month, but... Outside areas, I just don't well, see. People still want to go out. Don't, I mean, and Heath was nodding his head there, so I don't know whether he's, he's agreeing with this. But people will still want to be able to get out. They can get out for mm. the first time. Pubs aren't just about drinking. You can go and eat. You can go and meet your mates and all that kind of thing. Uh, I, mean, I, I think. I think even I think people will be dying to get out of the house. They'll sit there. They'll take blankets along if they have to in Scotland to have a drink. They've had enough. They want. They want their lives back. I think they'll mm. sit outside. I think you know we've all had enough of it now. It's just ridiculous how much we're getting treated like children in this country you it's, know? it's another example it's just, though of, of more regulation coming in or you know it might be a sack of the rules but still no evidence for it there's still no evidence for stopping no. inside and outside so i just it's just frustration really i mean i feel for the operators up there have had it really bad mm. really really bad and it'd be a what you know again i'm being quite there's a lot of wet lead boozers there yeah, um, brilliant. I mean, just I like the where I brought up, you know, Paisley and Glasgow and areas like that. Where, I can hear it in your voice. Absolutely, but it's just legendary boozers. But they've got they've had no chance in the last year. Mm. I mean, did you have those elocution <laughs> lessons that Heath had? Um, yes, yeah, so only I kept doing accent. them. Right. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Sorry, Heath. Go on. That's all right. I'm just slide off my accent. Fine. Um, but how many of those pubs are going to be left? Like, really? We're, mm. we're this is, and the government honestly, we've said a thousand times before, we're on our own. We really are. And every, every you know, like uh, Sasha Lord and all these people with this challenge against the government, it, I, bet you, I bet you any money you like, it will just get squashed down and dis- may disappear. We've got no voice. We really don't. And they do not care about us. Hmm. The less pubs in the country, the happy they're going to be. So, I mean, speaking of the fact they don't care about us, we've got the restart grant payments uh, coming on stream. Um, Nicely done, Ed. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's like... It's like it's like giving a homeless guy five quid and saying you'll be right, mate. This will sort you right out. It's not enough money. It's no. never been enough money. They, like this, this is charity, and we're all going. Oh, this is great. We're getting a bit of money. Fuck, nah, nah. We're not I mean, friends you, with the government anymore. You could pay for a holiday to Mexico on it, though. Who would do such a thing like go to Mexico? I have no idea. I have no idea. But uh, it's going to be April the first. They are going to start. I mean, are you guys? No, 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 I, no, I, Ed, listen to what you've said. I know, April, April the first. <laughs> well, yeah. that is the joke in itself, isn't it? I mean, are you going to be com- are you confident you're going to get it? Um, no, 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 no. I mean, down here, say, you've been pretty. You've, you've say, got, you've got here. Acting council probably be April 2022 before we get back to the acting council. Mm. They're, they're so slow. Pain. We'll we'll get it here. Yeah. Mid Sussex would be great. Uh, the, I mean, they've already been in touch. Just keeping us up to speed. You know, oh. please don't contact us. We're on the case. We'll get this done for you. They're exemplary, but I dare say for for many areas, no, it's going to be another one. You just wait and wait and wait. But of course, you know, it'd be great if it landed on April the f- April the first or thereabouts. You've got two weeks to get your stock ready because yeah. that's it. You're writing checks now. And how many suppliers? I know we touched this last week, but how many suppliers want to extend credit? They're screwed too. Yeah. So really, they want cash. So if you could drop. 12 or 18k whatever it may be in your area into your account april the first that'd make a massive difference yeah so um i think if but they is can it make gonna that happen, be that fast but they should know but well, they should know now those that qualify and how because they've all registered and got their grants or at least should be yeah so it should be a case of you would imagine mm. a fairly straightforward distribution but they won't make it straightforward in most cases mm. sadly well, there you go. So let's uh, let's move on. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can use the links on the MA website. And please do spread the word, like and share on social, and give us your comments, thoughts and questions. You can email me direct on ed.beddington at wrbm.com or drop me or the other two idiots a line on social. 
You're listening to the Lock In Podcast, and we're going to be looking at the financial challenges facing operators throughout this episode and some of the ways to tackle them. Uh, crowdfunding is increasingly becoming a route operators are exploring, both big and small. And we have with us our special guest, Ken Wright from Phoenix Art Club. He's joining us for this session as he's had some experience of crowdfunding. Hi, Ken. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Ed. Lovely to be here. Good stuff. Before we dive into your experiences, let's let's just look at the scale of the problem. Um, we've had 12 months of financial support from government and varying support depending on who your landlords have been, but we've still managed to lose, I think the BBPA's figures and, and CGA and Alex Parts have put out around 2,000 pubs during that period. I mean, guys, when, when those support taps go off, what do we think is going to happen? Because we, we, we've managed to kind of move away from some of the closures because of that support is, are we going to see a, a, a collapse or I mean what, what's your feeling on that um, I, I, I get the impression that the really weak players um, have already gone and what we have is, is people like us particularly independents um, um, where we are really not certain how we're going to survive the first six months of, of reopening we, after um, lockdown one, uh, we waited before we reopened. We waited for the big boys to jump in and sort of set the set the scene and try and re-establish confidence in the, the market. We're central London-based, so it's quite a, a big ask to get mm. people into here for apparently anything other than demonstrations, he said, ironically. <laughs> um, but the... the the mantra that we had was open once and open well. Well, hey-ho. Uh, my worry is, is getting over the, the, the point that you make, Ed, that the, the assistance will stop and we, we still have the overheads to start up. Mm. But we actually haven't, we aren't absolutely certain what amount of money we've got coming in because there will still be some restrictions of some sort uh, certainly for the first two or three months, and we don't know if it's all going to go horribly wrong in the autumn and winter, as it did this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Heath, what do you think? Yeah, I, it's scary, isn't it? I think that, God, you want to get open. I think this time you want to get open and, and, and you know, put your seatbelt on and try and make as much money as you can. But what are the restrictions going to look like? And are we going to end up, like Ken said, are we going to end up in autumn time and hopefully with the vaccine and all that we're not but you just don't know where you can't trust anything you can't write budget you can't forecast you can't do anything it's 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 scary times so i think you know I, but can this time i think you need to open as quick as you can and get as much money in the in the tills because i think they're gonna you don't know what tomorrow looks like you know what i mean and I, I'd, I'd want to get open as fast as i can and just I, and hope that people come Yeah, it's it's a good point. I I think also the the, you may recall after lockdown one or during lockdown one, very many operators um, went or attacked social media with um, their attempts to live stream to keep the show on the road. There's a great many people out there doing things like bingo or 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 community related presence for their business. This time, not so much so, and that's because the challenges technically of making that happen are huge now we, we took the, the plunge to keep that going, we, we're lucky one of our directors is a, a former BBC producer so we, on the tech side we were kind of okay not saying it was brilliant but we had to work really hard to improve it and the, the as we all know with products it's, it's, it's the old army uh, adage of okay, keep the army in the public eye well keep the pub in the public eye is really, really difficult, particularly where nearly every broadcast you see is negative about what the hospitality industry is going through. So just to re-establish that customer base, that faith, if you haven't kept at it, if you haven't kept your presence there all the way through the past year, you've got the whole brand to rebuild Mm. Um, and my worry is that people have found alternatives. Now, the, the alternatives might be um, we've saved all this money, so let's buy a new car or let's go when we're allowed somewhere nice and warm and sunny and away from all this misery. Um, or they, they will go for, rather than a, a coming into the West End, um, the, the restrictions on theatre, which is a big business driver for us, a lot of people attending theatre could come to us 
prior or post theatre, they're not look, looking hopeful for opening anytime soon. The Phoenix Theatre immediately above us, which has come from away. Um, I spoke to a theatre manager yesterday, and he's not looking um, to open much before July because they got so badly burnt in December. They, mm. they just don't want to open until they, they see a market there. And it's interesting, I mean, I was chatting to a, a Scottish operator, Grant McNeil, he's, he's a multiple operator up in Edinburgh. Um, I mean, he was quite optimistic for the restart, but he was sort of making the point that, you know, once it's that, that excitement's run its course and all the government support's fallen away, um, and this is probably something you, you would be affected by, Ken, as well, and Heath, to a certain extent, is um, once you're on your own, he's very reliant on international tourism. Uh, up in Edinburgh, and, and as you will be in, to a certain extent, in London as well. Um, I mean, is that a concern? Are you, um, do, you, do you think that's going to have an impact? It, it's, um, it's really difficult, Ed, because we, you know our place, so it's like the tide coming in and coming out every two hours that the audience changes. Um, to those uh, listening here, we, we're right in the centre of London, we're right in the West End of Theatre Land, one of the last independents left. Um, and we are well known for being part of the creative theatre land. So, you know, everybody that works in theatre, when the theatres close at 11 o'clock at night, most of the pubs in the West End, bizarrely, are, are closed due to the unique way in which Westminster licenses the West End. And we are licensed till three in the morning. So we, are, we, we rely to a great extent on theatre land coming to drink with us, which makes us a, a quirky venue for people that have come to see the shows to come along because mm. they, they might see someone that they saw on stage two hours ago having a pint at the bar mm. um, and if the theatres aren't opening and the shops are, I mean Oxford Street is a disaster zone um, you know uh, that comment yesterday that, that uh, the health service was, was a, a flaming smoking wreck, you want to have a look at, at the main shopping centres they are just devoid of of any want of people to come in. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we in, in central London, and, and I suspect places like central Manchester and perhaps Liverpool, are really reliant on people having a reason to come in in the first place, um, to feel comfortable on public transport to come in, and once they're there and they've done their shopping or seen the show, to feel comfortable to come and have a, a meal or a drink with us. Mm-hmm. And that's just not there at the moment. And, and it's going to take, it's a big ask to get that back because there's so many other players that need to build that confidence as well as us. Yeah. So, I mean, let, let's look at, at, at uh, what, what we got you on to talk about, Ken, which was, um, was is crowdfunding. You've had some experience of doing this. Um, I mean, do you want to talk us through sort of how, how you approached that uh, and what you did? Yeah, I mean, I, I should caution that it's, it's not as, as simple as abracadabra, stick on social media, suddenly lots of money comes in. <laughs> I think the statistics are something like one in ten of crowdfunding projects succeeds. The rest sort of fizzle out and, and quietly die. Mm. Um, and I, I would caution everyone out there that it seems to be more successful with bigger names and bigger companies than, than uh, small Individuals. I don't know why that is. It just just seems to be the way. So a celebrity chef will will kickstart his or her project far better than a little pub in in York or whatever. Mm. Heath and James, um, you're knackered on that front, then, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Thanks, Ed. <laughs> Sorry, Ken. Carry um, on. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the, the also that you need to think carefully about the decision to to la- to launch a crowdfunder. Because, personally, I think there's a danger that it can be seen as a last gasp. If we don't do this, it's all going to go under. Mm. So you don't want to paint the wrong picture of your business. Um, So it it tends to have to be project-led so that they don't see it as a a means of saving us from going under. They see it as a means of improving it to make it a better experience for Mm. the customer uh, or the, the person that's donating. Um, or for the community, so that, that, that there's a bigger picture to it. So if, if you think of crowdfunding as a means to stop your business from from um, dying, yeah. I'd say that's the wrong route. It, it, it definitely needs to be 
to be project-led, um, and you you need a you need a strong social media following before you begin. You, you can't build on um, a, a small base of people that follow your Facebook. You need a lot more than that. You need a very strong presence. Mm. Sorry. Okay, can I ask why you did crowdfund then? What was the purpose of your crowdfunding? Oh, we've we've lost Kenny. He's gone frozen. Hang on a second. Um, why did you crowdfund? What was the what was the reason behind your crowdfunding? Was it to expand? Was it to buy buy your partners out? What was it? Yeah, it, it was two reasons. We we had one um, pre pandemic, which was we, we're a theatre bar, so we we have a, a lot of live theatre, um, and we we had a, a really awkward physical wall that was just in the wrong place and we had a plan to divide the room using a theatre grade curtain which is they're really expensive uh, um, upwards of £20,000 so we crowdfunded that curtain and that was really successful because people they could get their name um, on a big plaque that said you know behind the curtain sort of thing um, and it was seen as a big improvement and someone really unique and really theatrical so that was really quite successful. Um, during the pandemic, we, uh, we, we'd actually started a process with the Music Venues Trust, um, which is a sort of a representative body of um, live entertainment independence in uh, the UK. And they suggested that for our survival in central London, um, we should uh, look to, to becoming a CIC, um, so, so that's a community interest company, which is sort of one step below uh, charitable status. Uh, and there's a number of reasons for that, but not uh, the, the prim- primary one in London is that the 100 Club, which is a rival of ours, uh, was the first in the UK to go for CIC status in December of, of the year before last. And Westminster Council uh, gave them business rates free uh, forever, basically, as part of that. So they, they said, this is, we're Camden and they're Westminster. So Camden Council indicated behind the scenes that you go for CIC, we will match Westminster. Well, that's best part of £60,000, my business rates. Um, and it, but the, the process is not cheap. You need solicitors, it involves negotiations with landlords and um, the way that you list the company. Uh, and it was, it's, it's easily £100,000 um, to do the transfer. Yeah. So um, during the pandemic, there's no way we could raise that. So we, we thought we will we'll try a crowdfunder with it. Um, the, 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 the difficulty, we, we succeeded. It was a long haul to do it. And, and much of the, the money actually came from Arts Council England, who got on board with it and liked it. But we... From individual donations, we, we got about something like £26,000 from individual donations. Um, the rest was made up from um, a combination of the Mayor of London, Camden, and um, Arts Council England. Mm. We'd no sooner done that than we found to a horror that we've, we've had to, to stall the project because if we, if we transfer from being a limited company to a CIC... <laughs> we find that, that we don't have accounts for the previous two years because we've, we're now a new style of company, so we can't keep applying for the grant. So it's, uh, we've had to hold so you, at the moment. <laughs> a a <laughs> catch-22 situation, really, isn't it? Uh, so it's really, really difficult. You, mm. you start the project with all good intent, and then you find out that the people that have given you the money have said, well, you can't do this because if you do... We won't be giving you any more money because you don't exist anymore. Uh, it's, it's complete Kafka. So, with your, with your, um, do you have to give that money back, or are you just holding on and, and doing it down the line? Uh, we're, luckily, we're holding it on because the uh, it was there's there's a number of uh, different types of, of crowdfunding schemes. You can give it as a, I think some uh, the. Um, uh, uh, brew dogs do a sort of share option yeah. as a crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. So you you become a, 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 a part shareholder with benefits, mm-hmm. um, and it's tiered. So there's that system. Um, 
or you can give it as, as rewards, uh, which is the route that we went down. Okay. Um, so basically, the people who donated have already had their rewards. If you if you if you get my drift. Yeah. Um, so they're not so worried about where we are with the legalities of it. And because of the lockdown and, and generally the, the, the people that kindly donated all accept that things are a bit awkward at the moment. Um, but we will need to be seen to move once we reopen and people will start saying, how did that go? Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, just a quick question. What part of Mexico are you going to? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wish. I did bizarrely. I used to work for an airline, so I've been all lucky. I've been all over, and uh, uh, Cancun would be. Marvelous. I, 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 f- I fear the Mexico joke is going to rear its head regularly, but can we are almost out of time. Um, just one last, one last quick question. I mean, the people that you were um, that have, have bought into your crowdfunding scheme are they customers? Are they? I mean, how? Who are? What? What is the maker? Obviously, you've got the Arts Council, the various sort of official bodies but the individuals have done it who are they oh they're regulars they are um and again that's something that that the audience listening might need to consider you you're you may find that your regulars are in just a bad financial state as you are Mm. so we we have a lot of actors a lot of um uh, uh, creative artists who just don't have any money and they would love Mm. to support but they can't. Um, this tended to be um, uh, people with, with uh, a very strong ethic of keeping live entertainment and uh, creative entertainment, fringe, if you will, alive. And they had the spare cash to do it. So, and it came from all over. We had one chap in uh, Los Angeles who flies over once a year to catch the fringe. And he drinks with us uh, before he goes up to Edinburgh. And he, he uh, very kindly gave us a thousand pounds. So it, it's all, it's, it comes mainly from uh, people that know you. Um, uh, but as I, I alluded to, uh, I know we've only got a short bit of time, but if you're thinking of going down this route, you need a strong social media presence and you need a very strong team to run it. Uh, I have uh, two and a half employees, if you will, um, yeah. who do nothing but social media um, mm-hmm. and ticketing platforming, keeping our presence up across all the various types of social media that I haven't got a clue about. <laughs> if you don't have that behind you, you are going to struggle because it, it's like a fire. You keep having to put a log on it and give it a bit of a, a, a stir to, to reinvent the wheel to keep it going. And that is incredibly um, difficult if you're, if you're yeah. a sole operator on your own without that team. Does that mean you've uh, perfected the art of TikTok dancing, then? <laughs> um, no, no, no. I, I, can, um, I, I can barely make all this system work. Trust me, I am... Uh, I, I, I employ people that are far younger and far brighter than I am to, to do all this. Uh, there you go. Um, That's it. That's I, it. I, I am not of this new age, I must admit. <laughs> there you go, then. That's what you need to do, James. Employ someone far brighter and younger than you. So, brilliant. Ken, thank you very much for that, sir. My pleasure, Ed. Good luck, everybody out there. Fingers crossed for a great reopening and a great year. Cheers. Thank Cheers, you. Cheers. Yeah, man. Honestly, that's why James, we're, we mean James are partners, because I'm the good looking, oh. dynamic, young, fun. I know how social media works. I do TikTok videos all day long. Um, you know, that's it. James is in his ivory tower with his mates, drinking Chablis. I'm on the ground drinking cans of Stella. That's where I am. I'm a man. I'm a working <laughs> so, man. Says so a man who's quaffing uh, very expensive wine out of a crystal goblet in Highgate. It's not, not crystal goblet. It's a crystal glass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants to drink white Rhone. That's what we should be drinking. This is classic. Paul Jabelet, uh, Hermitage Blanc. Oh, my God. Beautiful. 2015, six years old, you know, bit of age on it. Oh. I don't know, I nodded, I nodded off in the middle of that. What about you, James? I don't know, but it completely reversed everything he said for the last two minutes. That was lovely. Yes, just yeah, yeah. Throw yourself back under the bus. Perfect. Perfect. On that note... listening to the Lock In Podcast with Heath Ball, James Cuthbertson and myself, Ed Beddington. So let's, uh, we're, we're talking finances. Um, 
let's have a look at uh, what, what might be coming in on the consumer side. So consumer spend uh, and our reactions at pricing, what we should be doing. A recent survey by an EPOS company said that around half of consumers surveyed said they'd be willing to spend more to help hospitality back onto its feet. I mean, are you guys, are you guys, well, obviously you're hoping that. Uh, do you think that's going to be the case? That people give, gonna, give me that stat again. Uh, that uh, around half of consumers surveyed, so that's probably about 10, um, said they'd be willing to spend more to help hospitality back onto its feet. With the other half staying away. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, no the, other half, the other half said they'd spend less. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, friendly was screwed whichever way you look at it. Perfect. Ed, that's wonderful. It's been a great show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I mean, I'm slightly put off by the fact you're wearing really short shorts, which... Um, well, I mean, <laughs> no one can see this, and, and trust me, you don't want to. You text me to wear them. <laughs> anyway, getting back to the point. So, I mean, what do you think? Are you are you, are you anticipating a, a higher spend per head? Do you think people are going to be coming back and uh, and, and splurging the cash? No, no. Good. Yes, of course we are. <laughs> yes, of course we are. Yeah, 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 yeah. People are going to. Honestly, I think it's going to be one of those. You know, like. I remember having nights off when you'd go out to a restaurant. I, you know, such a romantic vision in my head now. But you'd go there, and I'd have a budget in my head how much I want to spend on a bottle of wine. And I didn't care if they marked it up four times markup. You know what? I want to spend 150 quid on a bottle of wine that night. I want to get my piss, and I want to have a good time. Oh, I thought, what are you laughing? He's telling we're trying to do a proper podcast here, so it's really interesting for the industry, like properly educational and helping out people. All you do is take yeah, pictures of my legs. I was taking a picture of his shorts. No, sorry, I was going to post it on social later so people can see the glory that I can see, particularly that they're slightly ripped up the side. But um, it's, it's I have this conversation. Well, okay, are we talking? Or yeah, sorry, carry on, James, uh, James Heath. Go on, go for it. Well, what was your point? Um, one of the guys, my suppliers, and we were talking about the wine list, and they said, we give you really good prices but you never work the margin in your favour. So why don't you, instead of discounting so much, why don't you actually take the margin a bit more and actually make your wine list? It's still really incredibly successful, you know what I mean, in terms of accessible, but take the margin a bit more. And I think it's all about that right now. It's about actually looking at your numbers, what you can actually go for, you know, and I think people, I think there's going to be a lot of, you know what, I want a good time and I don't care how much it costs. Mm-hmm. And we need to capitalise that in a really nice way because we need to get back on our feet, and the government's not going to help us get back on our feet. We know that. So we need our customers to come in and go, you know what, I've, I've been working from home all year, I haven't gone on holiday, I haven't gone skiing, haven't done this, haven't done that. I've got 400 quid tonight, I want to blow. So I, mean, I think we need to do that. We, we, we've touched on this in, in, in previous... Um, I mean, do you, think that's, do, you, do you think that's the case? I know there's there probably is more money washing about... Um, it, for some people, because we haven't been going out and spending. Mm. I mean, my I know, yeah. Heath, your your prep tab is probably ridiculous because you haven't stopped spending. But I mean, the rest of us haven't been going anywhere, can't go anywhere. You know, we we've yeah. probably built up reserves. But is that true for everyone? Because well, for everyone like us that's that's been you know working and well, I say us, me, well, who's well, been working well, and earning. Million, you know, everybody talks about the millionaire at the weekend. I think that there's a pent up, that, that pent up stocks there. Those people, they've still got money, more money than they've ever had. I think James said one of his friends works in finance, and people they've had so much money in their bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Like in general, you know, every, the, the people who are down the, you know, who are really struggling. But people in general, like, I mean, I know me. Like, even if I've got like stuff or money in the account, when when pubs open, man, honestly. The gates are open. I'm fucking partying. It's yeah. all over. Um, personal, right personal debt, Heath, was the point we were making, is, is at an all-time low. Mm. Um, so yeah. th- there, is, there is definitely money around, no question at all. But I think, I think what we'll find is the gap between those that have and those that have not will increase. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably the, the, the worry. Um, we talked earlier about some of the kind of, if you like, the inner city stuff, you know, where these big companies are, you know, you know, some big redundancies in retail and stuff like that where they're impacted. Um, and we're going to see, as soon as... I think it's, it's really interesting because we talk about this thing falling off a cliff and furlough stops, but we'll see it as furlough staggers because whilst you have the, you know, you already have an inbuilt 18% cost of your business, as that increases, the tolerance will go. Mm. I mean, we, we've taken a view here and we reopen that we're going to stop furlough on the 12th of uh, April. 
Right. Because we're going to be reopened. And what you've got there is a lot of the team, it's not their first job, it's their second job. Mm. And in some ways, by keeping them on furlough to the end of July, they're either working or they're not. But they're certainly, we don't want the listeners and us sponsoring them, frankly. So it's crunch time. We're mm. back open. Who wants to work? Who doesn't? End of furlough. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, we, we agonise long and hard about it. But otherwise, you're just sponsoring a holiday to the end of July. Yeah. Particularly for those guys who it's not their first job. Mm. So, um, I don't know. It could be really interesting. I mean, the, 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 we've touched on it, and you've touched on it earlier, Heath, with that premiumisation of prices. I mean, is is that viable? You honestly think you can bump up your prices? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, because we were too cheap before, though, Ed. You well, know, we've always like, said you've been too cheap, James. But, mm, so. so it says in the back of the yeah, toilet door. Yeah. But um, I do think that we can. Yeah. Hang on. The, the, the... I, I think I mean, we've always worked on value, and we always worked on like. The wine list at all the pubs are really amazing value on that. You know what? I'm going to take that extra 15%. I'm going to load it on the list. And you know what? If you, if you don't like it, complain about it. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll give you a discount. Yeah, we'll just, we'll give you some discount if you're going to be a tight bastard. But we're on our ass, man. Help us get back on our feet. Because we know the government won't. So let's just get back on our feet and help us. I mean, so this- I, I think... It, that runs counter to your your previous sort of battle cries of of reduce your margins, more cash in the till, get volume through. Different times though, Ed. Mm. Different yeah, times, like different measures. Honestly, oh, it's, 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 it's it's not the strongest that's going to survive. It's those who adapt, and that's what we're doing. We're adapting all the time. We're looking at what we do, how we do it. You know what I mean? We don't want to sell half the shit you sell. Like, who wants to make a Korean burger every night? James hates making the Korean burgers down there. We make them in the red line and sun during lockdown. I never want to see that shit again. But we do stuff that makes very yeah. popular, though. Yeah, but it's donuts, it's cookies, it's bread, it's brownies, it's you know, it's all of that stuff we've done to to keep things moving. You've had to do it, so I think in some ways it is payback time. And I think people would be so pleased to come back. They will pay a bit more, and we have to recognise that we're that we're um, we're carrying debt back into the reopening. You know. Uh, I mean, do you think that, that, what do you anticipate is going to be the reaction to it? Do you think it's going to be universally accepted? What, an increase or, in? Yeah. Won't or, notice. Or, you, you don't think won't notice. notice? No, no, I really don't. Because it's, it's marginal little tweaks here and there, but actually have a big but difference. Just, the problem we've got is, everyone's sat at home for the last year, drinking <laughs> pens of bread, or like drinking pens of bread syrup at 50 pence from Aldi. Mm. They're we're alcohol now. But what we need to make them is realise the value of a good time. And yeah. you can't put a price on that. You, yeah. Like to go out, meet your friends, laugh, you know, piss all over the floor in a pub, throw up in the toilets, fall well, out of the taxi. That's a typical Heath experience. Oh, price on that. And I think that's what we give them. We give them experience. And money, you know what I mean? Sitting at home, drinking a bottle of gin on a Friday night, is it going to make you feel satisfied? We are, we are the mental health relief for the masses. We give people a good time. And we save people. And I think that's what we need to capitalise on. I think uh, Heath's vision of the pub there was from Henderson. You can take the oh. boy out of Henderson, but not Henderson out the boy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's Henderson, Australia, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've got shoes from. It's we, a... we don't have pubs, we have five gyms with alcohol. <laughs> Over there, you can a Friday night. You can walk into Henderson on a Friday night and start a fight by just looking the wrong way. Oh, God. Oh. You miss it, don't you? Oh, no. I just get beaten up all the time. No, thanks. I love coming over here. I could be a cheeky little bugger and no one hits me. In New Zealand, I could say something. I'd get chinned straight away. So, yeah. Well, I'm so happy in England. That's, uh, that's the advert for uh, New Zealand tourism there. Exactly, that's uh, yeah. perfect. Brilliant. On that note, I think we'll park that one there. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast and we're looking at all things financial as we run countdown the days to reopening. Um, let's look at costs. So guys, I mean, what's what are you doing? How are you approaching um, managing those costs? How have you cut costs? Um, what are you doing in terms of sort of restocking, all that kind of thing? You know, what, what's, what's the approach? Go ahead. That's because well, James doesn't know. I think so. I think we've been in a, a, a very fortunate position that we've managed to keep all our suppliers paid and everybody's up to date. So that makes it a lot easier reopening. So our, our reopening costs aren't going to be as high as someone who hasn't paid the suppliers in the last year. But it's all about 
you know, it's really you've got to you've got to cut as much as you can. There's dead weight, and we're lucky we're getting everybody employed, so we're still carrying that cost. But it, you know, it's been readdressing with suppliers, whether it's the electricity supplier saying we're shut, turning all the lights off. It, you know, I mean, it's it's a collective thing, but we've just got to you've got to you've got to think like like my dad used to think: if you're not in that room, turn everything off. And so it's that, but. Yeah, it's it's a hard skill to manage right now. Like it's. I mean, have there been any any easy wins? Have there been ways that you found that you can uh, uh, trim things back? Well, I think we've we've done a lot of correct, you know, proper readings rather than estimates on some of the electricity because they presume you're still burning it as hard as you were when you were open fully. Yeah. So that's a really easy win, and you, you could. Play as well. Sorry, they love playing. Are you closed? Yeah, we're a pub. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so I think that's one thing we've done, and that was we did that actually quite early on. But mm. um, you know, you might not have everyone, everyone might not have done that early on, so that's something to, to do really. And I think then just look at the stocking in a burn, and, and obviously cash is king early on. So you're going to turn, make sure you're getting lines that you know you're going to turn around. You know, mm. um, so we might not open. We, uh, we'll, we'll consider it, but you might not open with all your real hour lines because you know that again that stock. Mm. You know, you, you don't want any waste. Well, I saw this week with um, Green King. They at the red line, James, they release a stock list that we can use up here, and it's nowhere near as full as it normally is. And they yeah. said, you know, obviously we, we don't have all the stock in place, so yeah, yeah. this is what we've got to So it's going to be hard managing customers' expectations with what you actually have in stock, you know, what what's viable. Yeah. You know, especially foreign coming in. So, you know, hopefully customers are just happy to be back at the pub, but, mm. you know, supply don't want to be burnt twice by the government. You know, look at everybody in... December, you know, we all got hit hard because we thought it was going to be a bit longer. So, you know, we're all we're going to be wary of that and manage our stock levels accordingly. So you're basically hoping that customers are going to be happy with uh, beans on toast and a can of skull. Well, they have been up to now. Beans <laughs> <laughs> are coming from Europe. No, we won't have any on toast. Or, or, um, or beans on Weetabix, if uh, if you like. Oh, yeah, great marketing plan. But, yeah, um, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, you're trying, you've got staff coming back, you've got customers coming back, you know, you've got suppliers that you need to look after. You know, it's I mean, some really, of them will be coming back from Mexico as well, so. Well, Mexico. Mm. And also, everyone's battle-worn. I think, you know, the hard thing for us is putting that smile on. Come up, come, mm. come the 12th, you're allowed to open you've got to look like everything's fucking amazing and it's not going to be amazing. Behind, behind the facade, you're going to be almost like in tears. But and, and customers don't want to see the bad. They just want to see you having a good time and they want to be in a place that's fun and it's escapism. They don't want to mm. be, you know, oh, my God, doom and gloom, you know. Mm. They, they want to forget their lives they've had. So you've got to give them an experience and so, hopefully we give them an experience they'll keep coming back. How are you going to paper over the cracks then? If, if that's what you're going to be doing, because you're not going to be able to offer the, the, the full experience and that kind of thing. I mean, how, how do you how do you make sure that they don't necessarily notice it, that they still have that level of enjoyment? I think drink before service. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get, get them drunk? Yeah. yeah. No, no, staff. I mean, it's just drink before service. So you can pretend that life's okay. I, I think customers, you know, from experience, I think customers' expectations are going to be unreasonable. Because they're going to want, they're going to demand a good time. So, mm. you know, we we put before the last lockdown, we put in a frozen margarita machine down at the Lockhart. We've got the frozen margarita machine cart coming there. Got espresso martinis going in both pubs. Um, I think you know we we we're, we're trying to make. I think we just like we just need to make shit fun as possible and crazy as possible. I think that's what we need to do. I think mm. we need to just like there are no rule books anymore of like being like sensible. I think we just need to give people a really good time within reason and just make them forget how shit life is and that's what pubs are great at and it's not you know, gonna I be, think that's it. it's not going to be easy though is it i mean from a kind of personal point of view just in your own head being ready that's going to be really difficult yeah. i think sure. um, yeah man like and smiling when when someone's yelling at you because you don't have their favorite non-alcoholic gluten-free beer yeah do you know what i mean that well, yeah, you know, I, it's interesting. I mean, I, I was chatting to a, a very experienced operator the other day, and, and he was saying, you know, I, he's he's getting he's nervous about reopening. He, there's an anxiety there, which is which is completely out of character for him. I mean, I, I, 
do you think that's uh, going to be something that people have to deal with? That that sort of, and I mean, for all of us, I guess, returning back to society is, is going to be a bit of a shock to the system after almost a year of of not being free to to get out and see people. Yeah, a big fear. People don't know how to interact with people anymore. They've spent all their meetings on Zoom. Mm. They've sat at home on Netflix. They, they're not going to know how to talk to each other anymore. You know what I mean? Like, mm. what would be great if people came to the pub? And put their phone in their pocket and had conversations with their friends. I think they're just mm. going to be there's going to be social awkwardness going on. They're going to be like, mm. "Oh my god, what do I do? How do I?" You know, and they're not going to have to order drinks. They're just it's going to be like clumsy. It's going to be really maybe, awkward. Maybe that's a that, that's a campaign for the for the industry, isn't it? You know, to uh, we're we're here to help you relearn your social skills. Sure. No, I, I I think we're going to need more than that as you know running the pub. I, it reminds me when I get home. And the wife's car's not there, so like she's not there, and the kid they're up down the yard or something. And I think if I get a couple of glasses in me, like now, I'll, no, <laughs> I reckon that I can make them genuinely believe I'm pleased to see them. <laughs> so I'm thinking that maybe we should have a roll call about eleven o'clock. I'm thinking Bloody Marys or similar, and then Wait. just allows it. Heath, what do you think? I mean, it's just it's one way of taking on. The big problem is. That we're going to have a lot of staff who've sat at home for so long. We're working a double. You imagine working a double these days drunk. on the on the floor, with, you know, with drunk and dealing with customers. I think. Okay, well, I take, 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 taking the same thing, then I probably start about ten o'clock before the staff get in. <laughs> And then, so I love two waves. You have the first wave, which makes you want to see the, the team when they come in and, and feel that genuinely you're pleased to see them <laughs> after them sitting on their ass on Netflix and drinking, you know, taking casual drugs for a year. And then you have a second wave, you go again harder, ready for the customers. I, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a problem for me at all. I mean, I think one thing we have established from this last few minutes <laughs> of conversation is that James's wife still isn't listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, God, the minute she is, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, I think on that note, let's, uh, let's move on. Okay, welcome back to the Lock In Podcast. One of the biggest issues facing our sector is the accumulation of debt during the past year of lockdowns. And perhaps the biggest problem there is the rent debt situation. We've got senior debt collection lawyer Alan Hamblett of Core Claim joining us to talk about this issue. Alan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So, I mean, from your perspective, Alan, I mean, how big is the problem? What are we looking at at the moment? Well, it, it's it's obviously bigger. It's getting bigger all the time because the um, the, the lockdown, the, the closure of pubs is, is going on from quarter to quarter. Um, we don't yet know whether we're going to be open on the, the 12th of April. Um, I know there's a push. Sasha Lord up in Manchester is trying to get uh, parity with non-essential shops and get pub, um, pubs and, and restaurants open indoors from mm. the, the same day as, as, as non-essential shops and uh, is pushing for a judicial review there. So... Good luck to him. I hope that uh, that's successful. Um, but the, the, the big problem, of course, is for the the people who own the pubs, the pub co's, the breweries, and so on, because uh, there's there's help for tenants. There's um, there's grants money available. There's there's uh, uh, relief available to them, uh, furlough to help pay the staff. Um, but the the people who own the pubs who haven't been collecting rent for uh, for, for a year now, essentially, are uh, going to have to find that money from from somewhere um, and the longer it goes on the bigger the problem is going to get um, many of the, the pub owners many of the brewers have been entering into arrangements with tenants to suspend payments or reduce payment um, so that I guess has helped mm. um, but there's going to be a big catch up at some point and, and until we're back to some sort of normality it's going to be very difficult to know how long it's going to be before the trade as a whole is ticking along at the rate it was a year ago before we were all told to go home I mean, are we are we going to see any grace period? I mean, do you think that the moment we've got the uh, is it three months uh, the moratorium is going to be extended for? Are you expecting the moment that moratorium comes to an end, it's going to be crunch time? No, I don't think so. In, in the real world, it, it doesn't uh, necessarily benefit a landlord to, to to turf out the tenants because um, um, so long as they're in there, if they're a good operative, they're they're trading well. In normal times, they're generating revenue and paying the rent. So, the um, 
the, the benefit to the, the landlord of, of having a tenant in there who's generating rent is obvious. An empty property, and there'll be a glut of properties on the market. Um, we've already seen people like uh, Red Cat and, and a new company setting up to, to sweep up um, redundant properties and, mm. uh, and, and enter into the market as new players. So there's an anticipation that there will be a lot of uh, empty properties and, and a lot of um, redundant stock in the market. I think anybody who's got a decent operator and a decent pub is going to want to keep them in there. Um, that the forfeiture suspension isn't um, necessarily a big problem for pub operators because, of course, they've still got the the, the right to take normal county court debt proceedings uh, to recover rent that way. Um, so if, if they wanted to, they, they still have that option. But the reality is, of course, that whilst... Um, pub licensees are not trading, they're not generating any revenue to pay. Mm. Um, but I, I don't think there'll be a big, a big um, catch-up in, in, uh, in July when, when the, unless it's extended again, yeah. when, the, when the moratorium comes to an end at the moment, uh, at the end of June, I, I think there will be a period of, uh, of, of, of patience and a period of consolidation within the industry. And the, um, the trade has to get back to some kind of level of, of, of normal activity before decisions like that can be taken yes what yeah. would what would what would you do if you're a tenant and your landlord's got say you owe the last year's rent what sort of agreement would you think was reasonable if you're a tenant to go to your landlord and say right how do we get out of this like what sort of proposal would you because you know the game and us like what would you say to the, the landlord like okay i think this is fair you can load the end of my lease with another year or how would you manage a land, like get to an agreement, what, what would you say is a suitable agreement? To- that, that, that's an option, tack it on the end. Um, the, the circumstances will vary from one property to another. Um, and as you'll know, there's a code that the government cobbled together last summer, which uh, is like most things the government have touched in COVID. It's a bit half-baked and a bit meaningless, but um, essentially it says landlords and tenants should talk to each other. Well, duh, you know. <laughs> The, um, the, the opportunity for a tenant to go to the landlord and, and make a proposal is, is enshrined in this code of best practice now. And I think most landlords will want to come to an arrangement with a tenant uh, if there is um, what the code calls for, which is sort of transparency uh, and fairness. And, and a tenant who tries it on, I think, will get short shrift from a landlord, and, 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 and rightly so. But if, if there is um, an opportunity to extend payment by tacking it on or agreeing reduced rental, um, that, that those are opportunities for the parties to um, consolidate the relationship that's, that, that's there and, and show fairness to each other. But I think the tenant's got to be very open and it's, and it's got to show um, what, um, what relief was sought during the, the, the shutdown period, so what, what grants have been obtained and so on. Um, and show how those have been used. Because, of course, when the, when the grants were first announced by the government, the idea was that they would cover things like rent and to, to help with trading mm. expenditure. Um, so I think a tenant would have to be open and, and show that uh, all of these things have been applied for. They haven't just sat back on their hands and, mm. and waited for the restrictions to be lifted. Um, they would have to go and show what other funds they have available and say, look, I, this, this is the best I can do. I've done as much as I can. I've availed myself of all the help the government have laid out for me. Mm. This is the reality of the situation now. I want to continue trading. I'm hopeful that the business plan will allow me to trade successfully, but I need your help, please. And a half-decent landlord will look at that and say, well, yeah, we'll go along with that. But the proposal for extending the period, reduced rent, um and that, that, those sort of proposals, the things that you have to be open about and, and, and give full disclosure to the landlord of, of how you're going to fund it. Um, we, sorry, we've, we've got, we're our landlord at one of our sites is the council. So they see what grants we've been given. Um, it's quite brutal because they're really slow at giving the grants out. Only yeah. when James kicked up a fuss, they've started going, okay, we'll give you some more money. And we're in a conversation with them about the rent. And it's quite arduous. It's not an easy conversation. Because they didn't understand we have other costs as well. Mm. So they go, well, we get this much money. What have you done with it? Do you know what I mean? So it's, 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 it's not easy. Can I, can it's, I, it, Alan, it's James here. Just want to ask a quick question. I guess it's on, on going on top of what Heath said there, but 
I guess there are two issues. There's the back rent that you've accrued and then there's yeah. rent going forward because, yeah. you know, the world's definitely changed in the last year. So is there a yeah. kind of rule of thumb that you think is fair or should there be an industry standard that says, you know, in all honesty, you should be looking for to pay half of that back rent and negotiate a bit like look at if you had a, a significant change in your circumstances, you might look at a change in your rateable value or what have you. Is there, on those two points, back rent and rent going forward, what's, what seems fair? You know, you've dealt with lots of people. What's, what would seem fair? Well, the, the, the property landlords that, that we deal with, they, they vary in size. You've got operators with thousands of pubs and, and some with a couple of dozen. Yeah. And obviously they have um, they have different uh, priorities. Um, and the, the big property owning um, companies um, obviously need to see a return on their investment because they've got investors to, to satisfy and they've mm. got bank loans to service. The the smaller breweries have a different aspect on it. Um, generally, their pubs are an outlet for selling their beers, mm. um, and the the priority will be a through flow of, of, of trade through the pumps. And um, I think they'll be a little bit more amenable to, to doing a deal over the longer term. But the, the big property companies will be looking for a return on their investment and they, they'll need to see something a little bit more commercial. And I think they'll be try pressing harder deals. But against the background of there being um, a, a lot of tenants in the market who can't afford to pay and, and to find a replacement tenant in an underperforming pub is, 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 is not going to be easy over the next few months. Um, I think the... The, the, there is no rule of thumb and it will vary from landlord to landlord and, and I think the, the, the smaller ones will be a lot more accommodating because they've got a vested interest in keeping a longer term relationship Yeah, I mean it's interesting I mean you, you touched on uh, open communication, honesty uh, good relationships I, being a cynical uh, a journalist I mean that's not something that we uh, necessarily equate to the pub trade Um Generally, it's got a it's got a legacy. I mean, it is better. Um, uh, people will be screaming at their uh, computers listening to this, probably disagreeing with me on that. But um, there there are issues, and open, honest relationships are, are do appear to be quite challenging in this sector. Um, I, I, I struggle with that. I think that's going to be that's going to be something that to get those sort of tenants to trust. Um, Based on the kind of things they're hearing and the panic and the paranoia of this lockdown, I mean, that, do you think that's that's achievable? I, I take the point. I mean, it, it was ever thus, wasn't it? Mm. And I think with the big property pubcos, tenants have always felt that um, they were battling against their landlord rather than working with them. Mm. I think I think that climate has has, has improved over the years. Yeah. And I, I think um, that there is now a better relationship generally within the trade, um, and I. I it's difficult to know how it's going to pan out because we've seen today, for example, Stonegate have announced um, losses of what is it, seven hundred and fifty million over the, the, the last year, which yeah. for a company which um, came into the market full of optimism, having done the uh, the, the merger with uh, Enterprise uh-huh. just before, basically they were told they've got to shut down all of their trading outlets. It, it's, it's difficult for them, and they, they have to make ends meet just as anybody else does. So, um, I think they'll be looking very constructively at how they can um, how they can generate revenue from their assets. And I, I, I think the relationship between landlords and tenants is, is going to have to change now, mm-hmm. as a matter of practicality. Um, and, and I think the way that property portfolio owners looked at their investment in the past will, will change now because everybody's in it together. Um, and it will be some time before the old um, uh, pub trade, the old, the old, uh, the, the old way of generating income um, returns. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know, for example, whether um, we're going to have a, a normal summer. We missed so many bank holidays and sunny days last year. Um, we, we don't know yet whether the, um, the numbers are going to continue dropping and we're going to be back trading through the summer as normal. Um, it's 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 very much a uh, a spirit of, of, of optimism going forward. I think everybody hopes that come April the twelfth, we'll all be sat outside in the sunshine drinking our beers and our ciders. Um, but it's 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 still very early days, and we've seen what's happening in Europe to the numbers, mm. and it's not looking good in Italy and France at the moment. So um, the everybody will be taking it very cautiously. Yeah. And, and, and just looking very carefully. The concern, of course, is that uh, 
there may have to be cost cutting if it, if it limps on like this for much longer and, and um, properties may have to be divested in order to, uh, to cover costs to keep the rest of the estate solvent. Um, and that, that may be the bigger problem, that there may be a glut of empty pubs on the market at the end of this, this trading season. Mm-hmm. And I, I see that as a bigger problem than, than the rent issue, mm-hmm. frankly. Yes, yeah, but perhaps this offers a chance to, to reset those relationships um, and, and move forward into it in a better way. So, Brilliant. OK, well, I'm afraid we are pretty much out of time, but thank you very much for that. My pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Thank Thanks. you. Well, he's smart. Yeah, it was quite a change for this podcast, really. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast, and we are almost at the end of this week's episode. Uh, as ever, we take a, a slightly more fun approach to the last uh, elements of the podcast. So let's... Um, We've been talking about fleecing. Co- I mean, uh, charging more to customers. Um, let's 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 follow that rabbit down the hole. Um, what what are the most expensive meals we've had then, guys? What uh, what's been the uh, the stupidest things you've done? I mean, Heath, you you. I'm looking at you because let's face it, you're an absolute idiot and eat everywhere. So you must have had some pretty horrendous bills in your time. Yeah, but I, I look at life like this, Ed. Um, I came from a really shit part of New Zealand where meat pie was uh, whole cuisine. So uh, one time my friend, guess, we were going to Spain. Yeah, and we were going to Spain. And he said, "Can you book um, tickets by Adrian Vera, who you know from the top fifty and all that?" Uh, so I booked it, but I can't read Spanish on the website. So I was on the website and I was like googling away, and I thought I'd booked tickets for lunch. So off we go. Tuesday afternoon, we're in Barcelona. We go to the restaurant, it's closed. I said, what the fuck's going on here? So we knock on the door and this guy comes out, he's American, he says, what's going on? I said, oh, we booked lunch. He said, we don't open lunches. I said, yeah, but I've got a confirmation email. He starts laughing, he says, you don't read Spanish, do you? And it's basically, it says, we don't open at lunches, but you can book our sister restaurant around the corner called Rias Bayas. It's a seafood restaurant. So I go with my mate, who's heavily tattooed, bald and stupid, myself, <laughs> We go around the corner to this restaurant. They look. They take one look at us and they, they freak out. Like this is fine dining seafood restaurant. You know, like you're dressed expensive. like a hipster lumberjack. Yeah. So they stick us down the back of this restaurant behind a screen, table of two. Honestly, we could we could sit in the toilet at this stage. So they go there and they go, "What do you want to eat?" My mate's just like, "Oh, let's go for this, 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 this." Two bottles of wine. Now the two bottles of wine we drank were twenty five euros a piece. Right, so fifty quid on fifty euros on wine. The bill was a thousand pounds on food. Jeez. We ate sea cucumbers, we ate caviar. We thought we ordered caviar and we asked for the extras, but they thought we wanted vodka, so they served us vodka and honestly it was a spot. It was the whole thing was out of control. But it was a thousand pounds for lunch for two bottles of wine of nine hundred and fifty quid euros on food. And fifty on wine, and then there was a tip on top. Oh, honestly, it was out of control. Had a great day, but yeah, I did not book the restaurant I thought I was booking. Brilliant, James. I'll have two. The first one was when I uh, the greedy had... motherfucker. You're going for two. <laughs> well, two. The theme is greedy. Two. The first one was the how meal. Do spell, how do you spell twenty stone? Go on. The, the meal before. The meal before I proposed to my first wife. That was expensive. And the, the actual expensive one in terms of the, the terms of the bill would have been the fat duck. I mean, that's that's the one. The, and the only thing about that is like, it's, I like to make your own mind up, but they serve you. I'm the, confused. Wait, wait, oh, James, James, I'm confused. Uh, the fat duck was the expensive one, or the fat duck was the wife. I'm <laughs> based on the ex-wife, you can say whatever you want, whatever you want. She's probably listening. I don't think anyone reading this. Is. <laughs> I'm kidding true, ourselves, but all um, three of them. Yes, the fat duck would probably be the one, which was an amazing experience. How much is the fat duck? Five hundred each. So a grand, yeah. That's all right. Well, I wasn't <laughs> drinking. And James, James, I know you so well. Did you go and have a kebab after dinner, after I lunch? I did. Yeah, you did know, you, stop- you know, I did. I told you that. You know, I did. You're such a, you're such a shit bag. So hang on, let's, just to clarify, you spent five hundred mm-hmm. pounds. On a lunch, left starving, and then left and had a kebab. Had a kebab on the way home. Yeah, I did. Yeah, 
Good kebab, though. When they gave me the kebab, they didn't um, step away from the table and go... And, it, and you had to look surprised and amazed. It was lovely. Just took my kebab, ate the lot. Extra pizza bread. How much did you drop on the pavement? Um, I don't know, but I dropped about £8.50 in the kebab shop. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And you, Ed. Um, obviously, well, I mean, I don't move in the rarefied circles that one, you guys as do. As one of the so, great home um, cooks, probably you always prefer your own food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pizza's a speciality. Um, McDonald's, does that count? Or something? No. And, uh, I think, actually, I, I remember once going out for uh, a meal um, in which, for once, I was paying. And, um, yeah, I think, what was it? It was, it was about £500. Okay. Um, for, for, for 16 for, of them. For 16 <laughs> 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 I did actually. I, do, I remember going on a date once uh, many years ago, and um, after quite a few drinks, we were only meeting for drinks. She decided that we should go and eat. Okay. She picked the restaurant, which was an expensive steak place, uh-huh. and I think it cost me about two, three hundred quid. Uh, I was obviously trying to impress. During the war as well. It was during the war. Yeah, I mean, this was it was during the 1940s. Yes, yeah, so I know. I don't look it. It's. Uh, and um, and fun time was handball. And the second date, Not by her, she probably. said, "Well, no, true." Uh, she said, I'll, "I'll get it next time." So the second date, yep. we ended up going to uh, a noodle bar. And really? then she told me she didn't like me, didn't want to see me anymore. So uh, and this was, is uh, your wife now. Or? Yes, this is my current. No, it's not my current wife. Um, no, this was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um. Uh, Ed, that's a touching story. It was a touching story, touching in many ways. <laughs> 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 start to move into the Me Too movement here if we're not careful. Yeah, let, I think, let, but, um, let's not. So I think probably best to draw a line under that there before uh, we get ourselves. Oh no, into... no, before that. Before oh, probably that. before that we no, should no, have drawn a line. Um, no, no, I see that Harvester are doing. Um, they're doing our local Harvester's doing like a takeaway and delivery now. But I want them to turn up with that salad cart <laughs> at my house. <laughs> Just, just the whole bar. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to wheel the salad cart to front my front door, and I can pick what I want. And then ten minutes later, I want a bit more sweet corn James, and a bit more ranch. James, James, <laughs> I know where he's, I know where he's going with this. James, you don't eat salads. You don't eat salads. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the pictures sure to prove you've it. This time in your life. <laughs> anyway, right. yeah, sorry. Right, I'm definitely drawing line under this now. But uh, that that is it for this episode of the Lock In Podcast. Please do subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Like, share, give us your comments, and we will be back next week where Heath will be drinking more wine, uh, hopefully wearing his headset, which no one can see. We need to get a photo of that, and we will see you next week. Ta-da. Thanks. <laughs>